Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome to another week of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob and Kelly at the Southern Bank Court Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke at the Southern Bank Court Studio in Laurel. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, as it is every weekday, and we appreciate them for all they do. Uh, Dickies is a great place to take your family and a great place to cater your next event. Golden Eagles, 13 straight wins now, 35 and 15 on the year after a three-game sweep at Louisiana Monroe. Move up to number 23 in this week's D1 baseball poll, number 20 in Collegiate Baseball Nations poll, RPI, still in the top 30 at 28. Good weekend for Golden Eagle baseball. Let's uh Let's go straight to head coach Scott Berry, who joins us uh, every Monday. And, uh, Coach, another good, satisfying weekend and uh, uh, a lot of sweeps this year when you look back on the season. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is a, was a really good weekend, Bob. I'm real pleased with the way our guys were able to come off from finals, which kind of disrupted the routine with no midweek and you know studying and had to give them Monday and Tuesday off, certainly to, to get everything in order for uh, those tests. But then – we were able to, to assemble for practice there on Wednesday before we headed to Monroe on Thursday. And, you know, Monroe has not had the year certainly that they would like to have. So you're always a little worried about the uh, the letdown that your team might have just looking at records and, and reading everything on social media. But, you know, I thought we went in there and we did just what we were supposed to do. I thought we were very mature in how we handled it. Uh, I thought that was uh, – that was a look of a seasoned team that, that went in on the road in that situation and took care of business in, in all three of those games. No question about it. Uh, Friday, uh, you opened the series with an 8-4 to four win. Big offensive performance uh, from uh, from Pato, from Sargent, who's really swinging the bat, and Dustin Dickerson uh, had another uh, four-RBI game and another stellar performance by the guy that we – it sounds like we're beating a dead horse every Monday, but uh, Tanner Hall, you know, he gives up four hits, uh, ten strikeouts uh, in seven innings and two runs, and Tanner was in charge uh, every inning he was on the mound, really. Yeah, he really was. Of course, you know, it's always fun to hand him the ball on Friday and, and watch him go to work. And, you know, he matched up with a with a guy that had 19 appearances and only one start prior to Friday night, and that was the Nicholas – Judas, that uh, really a big arm out of Baton Rouge and six eight down downhill, you know, probably a mid nineties fastball, 
Um, and you know, he kind of, he kind of handcuffed us there for a while. We, we took the lead in the second, but then they, they came right back in the third and tied it up. But it was the four, it was in the sixth inning where we scored four runs and utilized the, uh, the walk, a double by a Sarge and then another walk, but it got to two outs and, uh, Carson Pato, you know, there in the uh, in the eight hole, had a two RBI single, uh, which was a really really big at bat for us when we'd missed in that that previous at bat and getting a run in, and he was able to break that thing open, followed by another walk and Etzel, he he has a big RBI ball four, and then Dickerson gets the hit by pitch, so which drives in another run. So we utilized the, the freebie there and took advantage of of what uh, trouble Judas run, ran into uh, outside of uh, Carson's uh, two-run base hit. Bottom of the lineup's really been productive as of late, Coach. Well, it's given us that length. You know, for the longest time, it seemed like first half of the season, it was a, it was a pretty short lineup with the, uh, with the top half of the ones that were pretty much just doing most of the – the production, but you know we've lengthened that out now, and it's a pretty pretty tough lineup to navigate through. And like you said, yeah, our 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 seven, eight, nine guys have, have really stepped up and gave us length in that, and uh, and protected those guys at the top of the order. All right, uh, Saturday, all Golden Eagles, nineteen to nothing, five home runs, two by Christopher Sargent, two by Etzel, another big shot by Danny Lynch, two lightning delays. Game had pretty much everything involved. And then there's Billy Odom, who I he, I'm just so impressed with. He uh, he comes on limits uh, Monroe to four hits, uh, seven strikeouts over five innings, improves to six and two, and then uh, you, your relief comes in and takes care of business. But Odom has really stepped up in that Saturday role, Coach. Yes, he has, and uh, you know I feel like that he's just he's he's done what. Hunter Riggins did for us last year, and you know it's they uh, they're both guys that transferred in from from other four year schools that were were below the Division one level, but they were proven guys at the levels they were at. They were starters. Their numbers indicated that you know they had pitchability, and they came right in here and and picked up at, at this level, which I think is really neat. But you know on Saturday uh, we actually had three lightning delays and almost an hour and a half of, of delay after Billy had just thrown a clean first inning uh, on 13 pitches, and then he has to wait an hour and a half uh, before he can get back on the mound. And we kind of debated, Oz and I, whether to send him back out there. But, you know, after conferring with Billy, Billy was like, I'm fine. I've been staying loose inside the locker room there. Um, and, and he, he wanted to go back out. And obviously, he only thrown 13 pitches, but he ended up going – a clean another four innings and getting us into the uh, getting us into the middle of the game and of course we turned it over to four other guys Trahan Middleton Dawson and Allen all with an inning apiece uh, we're only giving up one hit in those four innings and uh, all all scoreless innings but it was our offense on that particular day that awful uh, that also uh, showed up and in, in, in numbers and those numbers were 19 runs on on 18 hits like you said five home runs. All five were multi-home run uh, swings, so uh, three of the three of them were three-run homers. And when you get that, and you get the pitching that we just talked about. It's pretty tough to overcome that if you're if you're the other team. It's a pretty good day when you uh, when you get 18 hits and uh, and that kind of pitching. All right, so we roll around to Sunday. And there's always that concern, you know. You've had two relatively easy wins, and it's you know it's kind of human nature to let up a little bit. But the guys did not. Uh, 
propelled by Rodrigo Montenegro, who I thought just had a fabulous day at the plate. And, uh, and you know, Matt Adams, man, he really comes back and uh, he pitches nine strikeouts, no walks, limits uh, the opponent to four hits. He seems to have really shaken that uh, little bit of a shoulder issue and it looks like a Matty Adams is back. Yeah, I tell you, really proud of him. And that was his third start back from the injury. And he just seems to get stronger each time. And, and we saw that yesterday with five innings. He gave up four hits, two runs, and two of those were earned. One, one solo homer. And, and the other run was, you know, we got a little laxed on, on a play that let a runner on. And he ended up getting to second base and, uh, you know, had a, one of those C&I singles there with two outs that got him in there. So, uh, but, you know, he, he pitched really well. Of course, we handed it off to Nico again in middle relief. He covers the three innings on only two hits, and Justin Stoney come in and strikes out the side. So great, great performance by our pitching staff. And and then on the, on the offensive side, you know, we really had to to get in there and grind that thing out. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a sense of urgency. I felt like out of Monroe, and I knew that was going to happen, even though you know they're out of uh, any type of. Uh, tournament bid that that they can get in the conference tournament that makes them so dangerous because they really have nothing to to lose and and to be really loose and you know i thought they played really well they came back and tied it up after we went up to two nothing but it was uh, our ability there to to get some big hits rodrigo like you said you know had two key at bats uh, with two rbis but nothing bigger than in the eighth inning when uh, we had a runner at third base, Nick uh, Monastery, who'd let off that inning with a double and had gotten moved over by Peto, 6-3 ground ball. And then they went to the pen and went with a left-on-left matchup with the base with the, with the infield in. And the first pitch, Rodrigo saw single back up the middle to make it 5-2. to two. And to me, that was the biggest at-bat of the game. Yeah, he had a great day, no question. About a minute and a half left, about a minute in this segment. Just two quick comments on my my part, like to get your thoughts. I think the duo of Rodrigo and Blake Johnson has been really solid at catcher this year. I think that's uh, been a boost to the team. And, and look, there's just no other way to describe it. You have a defensive wizard playing at shortstop, Coach. Yes, yeah, he does a great job. And, uh, you know, he's been that way for quite a while. And, and you know, his offense continues to, to improve. So, you know, you got to be strong up the middle, and certainly that's what Dustin does for us there. He made a really good play yesterday uh, on, on a ball late where it could have been a momentum changer for, for Monroe, but it kind of took the wind out of him with that. And, uh, you know, we see that time and time again from his defense. All right, Coach, 13 straight. Uh, I guess you're pretty content right now with the way your guys are playing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I wouldn't to say that I was really proud of them. You know, after getting punched in the face over at Coastal Carolina, they really rebounded and, and recovered and, and moved this thing along. And, and they've played 13 games and honestly have, have earned the right to win every one of them. They've played well from the first pitch to the last pitch. No question about it. All right, Coach Scott Berry with us. Uh, Luke Kelly, plenty to ask Coach when we come back. Stay with us. Short break. Right back with Coach Berry.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we're glad you are. Remember, you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast, and many, many people do on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. We're on the road this week. We'll be at Fuzzy's Tacos on Friday. We'll be at Columbia Block and Brick on Thursday. And then Luke and I will be in Montgomery, Alabama at Riverfront Stadium on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. Get in here, Luke. Coach, uh, going back to the weekend, Etzel, power, four for four on uh, on Saturday Six RBIs. He's been, you know, we we thought there's going to be, you know, the 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 doubles coming in for sure. He's he's a great slap hitter and and uh, gets the bat on the ball a lot. But in the last few weeks, we sent some power out of Maddie. Yeah, you know, I guess you just uh, you contribute to a really good swing, and you know, and and uh, you know, and that intersection hitting the ball, being on time, and you know, I feel like that's you know what he's been able to do. Of course, he didn't have a good day yesterday. He went over six and. Didn't, didn't swing it like I would have liked him to, especially in a two strike situation. And, but, but Saturday, yeah, I mean, he, he was in his own and put some good swings on some pitches that he got and he didn't miss them and they, they happened to leave the yard. So again, Nico comes in and uh, has a great uh, relief. I don't think you threw Armistead all weekend and, and, uh, got the opportunity to rest a couple guys, but, but Nico got some more confidence uh, coming out of the bullpen yesterday. Well, he did, and you know the plan was honestly to to throw uh, Armistead yesterday as well. But I think we we got to a situation with with Nico in there and that long relief stand after after Matt covered five innings, and I think Armistead would have if Matt would have only covered four, but he kept his pitch count down, and and we were able to extend him one more inning, which which is important. But uh, but Nico threw really good, only giving up two hits and and uh, covering those three innings and. Of course, we needed to get Justin out there, and it probably it probably did okay to have Will, uh, you know, get a little bit of a break. In all honesty, so yeah. With One more question coming up. Offensively, I'll throw it to Kelly. Uh, you may have you may have touched on him in the first segment. I was doing scrabbling some note, notes here for for some about baseball, but but Rodrigo now at three seventy three, threw out a, a runner this weekend. I mean, I, I know he's a fan favorite. People love to see him. Uh, do well, and it's just it's contact average and RBIs at the bottom of the order. Yeah, I mean he doesn't try to do too much. That's what I like about him, you know. And I think that's what reflects his that three seventy three. He's not a power hitter. He doesn't try to be a power hitter. You know, he's an occasional double guy. Uh, you know, but he's a contact guy. You know, he's only got five doubles and, and sixty seven at bats. But you know, he's he's a he's a guy that. Left on left, I mean, when you look at his splits, he handles left-handers really well. Lefties don't bother him, and and, and that shows me that he's not afraid to give up give up the box. I mean, he's going to stand in there, and, and he's going to own that thing, and, and that's exactly what he did. And that was evident yesterday in that eighth inning when we got that big uh, big bases or uh, runner at third and the infield in. They sit up the middle. That was a huge, huge at-bat force yesterday. One of the great things about this particular Southern Miss team, in my view, and Coach Barry, you talked about it in the first segment, is the length now in the batting order. There doesn't appear to be an easy out, one through nine, and that's going to help this team going forward. But one name that we haven't mentioned in either segment this week is a name that's been mentioned a lot this year is Slade Wilkes. 
and he didn't right. didn't have a great weekend. This, but but that just goes to show you that this team is not one dimensional. Uh, you've got other guys that are responding to the call when one guy's na- down, another guy's up, and I I just think that bodes well for you guys going forward, whoever it might be. Right. Well, you know, I think Slade has just had a tremendous year. Of course, he and Tanner Hall are both finalists for the Ferris uh, Award that will be held next Monday. But Slade's been that guy that honestly has been that model of consistency. And, and here of late, maybe the last 10 games, it's not reflective of the average and at-bats what he has been. But what he has been prior to that is he's been the guy that everybody has watched and watched well and learned about how to hit and how he went about it, not missing his pitch. Much like our pitching staff has the opportunity to watch Tanner Hall on Friday perform. And if you can't learn by watching, you're going to miss an opportunity to get yourself better. It isn't always about playing. And I think there are certain guys on your team, whether it's in the lineup or in the rotation or out of the bullpen, that do those things that people can learn from. And those two guys just happen to be the uh, two of the five finalists for the Ferris Award, but they're excellent examples and models for our team to learn from. And, and I'd like you to take your baseball hat off now for a moment and just put on your, your human being hat, because I know you're a spiritual guy, and what Coach Federico is going through, he's a Southern Miss guy, uh, obviously miserable season for the Warhawks, like you said, not, not what they had hoped to go through. With whatever you're comfortable sharing, you know, as an older guy to a younger guy, what what did you talk with him about this weekend about what the Warhawks are going through and, and how he should try to navigate this as a as a younger coach? Well, you know, I I listened more than I talked in all honesty. I mean, we're here at the end of the year and and uh, there's not a whole lot you can do about it now, but it's what you do moving forward and and uh, and building for next year and certainly that's what he's doing. I understand that Injuries have played a big part in uh, them not having success. They're young with that, you know. And all honesty, one of their better hitters wasn't there this weekend. Uh, his grandfather had passed away, uh, who was like his father, this young man's father. So they missed his presence in the lineup. So it just ke- it seems like it just keeps kind of piling up on them. And and he told me, you know, it's been a really really tough year, and they haven't been very good, but. You know, there's there's years like that, Kelly. I mean, you know, most everybody goes through them if right. they stay in it long enough. I mean, nobody is you know is is, is immune from from a bad season. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, we had one here in 2001, and the first year I was here, I mean, we had a losing record. I'm I can remember Coach Palmer coming in and and saying about three quarters of the way through the season, he said he said, "Well, I, I hate it more." I brought you and Lauren Garen into this, but we're probably getting fired at the end of the year. And I, <laughs> and I said, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, that's not what I needed to hear. I left a pretty good job to come here. So I've been a part of it. I mean, I know I know the feeling. It's not fun. And of course, you know, our schools to the north are, are not having good years, and it's not that they just all of a sudden have quit coaching and their players haven't played. I don't know what the what their reasons are, but, you know, when you do this for a living – and this is what you wake up doing every day. Uh, certainly, it hurts when when things don't work like you're like you're working for. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. You had to go back 21 years to find a bad season. I, I was I was just going to say that myself. Yeah. yeah, I like the sound of that, Coach. Barry. Coach, um, we we do want to talk about we in our little time left about this weekend's opponent. We've been looking forward to this series all weekend. 
or all all year uh, when the schedule was released. Cajuns in third place now, just swept Texas State, five out of the last six. Uh, what are you expecting out of them? Boy, extremely athletic. Uh, you know, their record's really good, 35-18. and 18. They're in, in conference play. They're 17-10. and 10. They've won their last two conference series. They've, I'm sorry, they've swept their last two conference series. They swept Texas State this past weekend at home, who took two out of three from us in the first series of the year over in San Marcos. But very athletic. I mean, Everybody on their team, even their pitchers, have the green light if they get on base to run. I mean, these dudes, um, they can flat move. They have got, they've got 153 stolen bases on the year right now. Uh, their doubles, 117 doubles. So that, that tells you they're, they're very fast and very athletic. And I think that's the seed that they want to plant in your mind, that they are, you're going to have to stop them. And, and with that kind of pressure on the bases, certainly that takes your attention of, as a pitcher off from the hitter, and then you're more prone to make a mistake there. We're going to have to play really, really good baseball. Uh, they field the ball well. They're fielding 981. They're a good club. They're hitting 293. So certainly we have our work, out, uh, work cut out for us with them. But, you know, we're playing good baseball too, and, and we're looking forward to the challenge on Thursday. Hey, can't steal first base. No, that's exactly right. All right, Coach, just a minute left. Uh, you know, for some of the kids on the team, this could conceivably be their last weekend to play at P. Taylor Park. We don't know We don't know what the postseason holds, but, but it is a possibility. Do you have any message for those guys uh, before they take the field Thursday night? And what do you think they'll be going through? Well, you know, certainly everybody goes through that part of their life when there's a change that's fixing to take place. Uh, you know, I hope that they feel like that their time here has been well spent. I feel like, I hope that they feel like that the, the teammates that they've made are lifelong teammates. They're not just the four years or the two years or in some six years that have been here teammates. These are guys that will be friends that they can call on and lean on for the rest of their life. And I hope that they take what they've learned from our program and how to compete, and they'll pass it on to their kids and everybody else that they impact. And I want them to go out. I want them to be good fathers, good husbands, and good pillars in the community and and represent themselves and ultimately represent the University of Southern Mississippi and and Southern Miss baseball. And they have done that very well, Coach. I'm sure you agree with that. Uh, We're we're really proud of all these kids that uh, will be playing their last weekend here conceivably. You're the best, Coach. We appreciate you very much, as always, and uh, we'll look forward to being at the Pete Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right. Coach Scott Berry, everybody, skipper of the 35-15 and 15 Golden Eagles Kelly Center. And if any of the pitches this weekend happen to hit any of the Cajuns in the ear, they just slipped. Uh, it just slipped. What are the chances <laughs> we'll see a bat flip? I'm thinking not very good. <laughs> I don't know. I was saying just the opposite. I think it might be uh, real good. Here we go. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. All right, we want to thank head baseball coach Scott Berry for joining us. He does every Monday. Probably won't be on the show next Monday because they'll be at the Ferris Awards. 
But hopefully we'll get Travis Creel or one of the other coaches uh, to review the series. And are, are they rocking and rolling or what, Bob? Yeah, they're pretty much rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah. Campus Bookmart sponsors the uh, second segment of the show. We appreciate Miss Kathleen and all that she does at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Well, they sponsor this segment, and uh, it is a great place to go enjoy Southern Miss sports, great place to enjoy great food, camaraderie, and, of course, we haven't mentioned it in a while, but the biggest Southern Miss memorabilia collection probably in the world uh, is at 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, Luke Johnson was a catcher in high school baseball, and you and I have talked before, Kelly, you're a baseball guy. Probably the toughest kid on the field has to be a catcher, right? Or as we used to say in the old days, the hind catcher. Yes, the hind catcher. That's yeah. exactly what we used to <laughs> That's say. That's right. The hind That's catcher. right. That's exactly right. Blake Johnson is a senior who will be playing his last weekend, maybe, at Pete Taylor Park this weekend. He's platooned throughout the year with uh, Rodrigo Montenegro, and together they've been uh, quite effective. Had a chance recently to talk to Blake about his career at Southern Miss. All right, we've got Blake Johnson with us right now on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Blake, good solid day for you today. How's this ride uh, in your senior year going? Uh, you know, just having a good time. We're competing well. I'm glad we're finally starting to click. Um, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy it most of the time, uh, having fun, being around everybody for the last year, trying to make it last as long as we can. Got a pretty good teammate uh, with uh, Mr. Montenegro. You guys are platooning quite well, aren't you? Yes, sir, absolutely. We, uh, you know, always are each other's biggest fans. Um, you know, we both work hard, and it's hard not to root for that guy whenever you're competing together and you spend hours upon hours in the bullpen, whether it's catching pitchers or catching off the machine. So definitely rooting hard for each other. Just too physical to, to do it the whole year by yourself. Is that not right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, it's just a – everybody says it's your knees, but really it's like your back, your knees, your ankles, your balls, your feet, everything hurts. Uh, so, yeah, it's – I mean, it's a pretty demanding position. But, you know, we both – I don't think when I come in and he comes out or vice versa, we don't really lose or add anything, you know. All right, elite athlete, young guy, how physically demanding – try to describe to the average fan – how tough it is to catch an entire D1 baseball season? Uh, I go to therapy every day. I get a good night's sleep every night. Um, I eat as healthy as can be and eat as much food as possible. And I still wake up every morning and something different on my body hurts. That right? <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, we've got a stretch to go left. We've got two series after tomorrow in the tournament. Expectations are high, of course, and uh, the sky's the limit, right? Yes, sir, absolutely. Uh, you know, we kind of know what's in front of us, but at the same time, we're just trying to take it one game at a time, uh, take care of South out tomorrow, and then we'll go from there. Uh, no no midweeks. So we're, what we're kind of planning for is we're going to throw everything we have at them tomorrow. Uh, that's a little better for catchers, too, no midweek games. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, we still – go after it pretty hard at practice on Wednesdays we'll do live ABs or something and same thing for hitters midweeks that kind of keeps you from going so long without getting in it bad or throwing to a hitter catching a pitch whatever it is so we'll kind of do the same thing Wednesdays or Tuesdays, whatever day we choose to do it. We'll go live ABs, and hopefully everybody out here will want to throw. All right, put in perspective what it's meant for you to have this baseball career here. Uh, you know, I kind of grew up, I wouldn't say I was a Southern Miss fan, but I always kept up with it. Um, you know, had high school teammates that came here, and um, 
you know, went to junior college and then there was kind of just one place I wanted to be and it was Southern Miss. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity just to be here, let alone to get to play here. All right, one to ten, ten being great. How much fun are you having? Prior to ten. Uh, winning's always fun, you know. Uh, when we go through the bad stretches, probably about an eight, but right now it's definitely a ten. And the bumps and bruises accounted for. Yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. All right, Blake Johnson, talk to uh, that young man after the uh, Saturday game against South Alabama. That was the reference there. Practice a little uncertain this week because of weather, but we do hope to get out and get some uh, some new interviews as well. Luke Johnson, can we agree that the toughest guy on a baseball team is the catcher, most important player on a football team is the puncher? Yeah, I mean, people would probably disagree with the, uh, the second one, even though I would agree with it. But, yeah, I mean, in, in high school, I was kind of brought up the idea of always like having your arms bruised up on purpose. So sometimes in high school, I would actually take a baseball with me to class and just throughout the day, I just kind of beat on me like starting in January and I would just have all these bruises. People were like, dude, you're demented. And what was happening was I was kind of like numbing up my arms because of the blocking that we would do in the, in the afternoon and stuff. I'd always have, you know, lace marks all over my, my arms from practice and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, those guys are gritty and, We've got really two really good ones. I mean, you talk about that. Johnson has has shown the pop in the bat, great defensive catcher, and the other guys batting three seventy three. P- pretty amazing. No question. The t- the the quickest way to the major leagues catcher. is as a catcher. Uh, so so if you're if you're a parent out there and you want your kid to play in the major leagues, the catcher's the way to go because of the rigors. Uh, and I mean, when you when you also t- talk about getting you know a foul ball to the shoulder or a foul ball maybe to the throat or you know just I mean the potential injury for a catcher. And when you look at major league managers, all the ones that have won World Series, statistically, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. The best managers in the major leagues that came from a playing background were seemingly all catchers because the game is all in front of them the entire time. They're the smartest guys on the field. I find myself watching them all all during the game, but catchers for both teams, I I just find it fascinating to to watch how tough these kids are. Go ahead, Luke. It's one of those positions, too, that if you go from being good to elite if you have a decent bat. Catcher's always that position that – you know, if, if you've got a, you would sacrifice a bat for a glove any day of the week behind the plate. Um, but then when you get some, I mean, we think about like Brad Wilcutt, who Sargent just, um, you know, tied a few weeks ago in all time. Cutter, Cutter was like a four, three or four year starter at catcher and ended up being like unbelievable in, in Southern Miss baseball history because he was fourth all time in home runs. So what, what Rodrigo is doing right now and what Blake is doing with, with both of the strengths of their game, it's like what Blake said, no matter who you put back there, there's going to be a positive result impact on the game. Yeah, they've been, they've been really good together all year. There's no question. All right, look, I want you to fill out the rest of this sentence. If the conference tournament started Wednesday, the Golden Eagles would play. So it depends on what happens this weekend, but just the long and short of it is, if Southern Miss and Coastal Carolina, if they don't get swept this weekend because both teams have a three-game lead, Not gonna they, would, they would lock the, the one and two seed up, okay? So if the Eagles end up the two seed, they would play Wednesday the 24th at 1230, and they would play um, – Either Old Dominion, Georgia State, or Georgia Southern. That would be the eight or, or nine seed, um, and because those teams are tied. So Old Dominion, Georgia State, or Georgia Southern. 
if they were to be first, um, they would play, as of right now, Texas State or Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and Old Dominion, which would be the 7 or 10 seed. Okay. Uh, there's They have the number two seed minimally locked up. Is that correct? If they were to, if we were to get swept by Louisiana because Louisiana is three games behind us, Golden Eagles and Coastal are twenty and seven. Louisiana is seventeen and ten. So Eagles would fall. The worst they can finish is third. So if if Coastal were to win one game this weekend, they'll lock up the number one. If um, if the Golden Eagles, I'm sorry, if, if Coastal wins two games, they'll they'll lock it up. If the Golden Eagles uh, were to get swept, they would finish third. If they win one game this weekend, they'll lock up number two. Okay. Is it that big a difference, Kelly, the one and two seed, when you look at the bracket? It almost sounds like the two seed would be the easier opening game if you could avoid Texas State. Well, any coach will tell you at this point you're going to have to beat these teams anyway. And and at this point, the way that Tanner Hall is throwing, if he continues to throw that, who's going to beat him? I mean, it, it would take an, a monumental effort from anybody. Yeah, and Odom is pitching well. So your second game, you appear to be pretty strong. But when you and, and when you look at this team, here's here's a point I want to make too. And look, the asterisk here is obviously Louisiana Monroe has has had a tough year, but they scored respectively two runs, zero runs, two runs. Right. Now, no matter who you're playing and no matter how you hit the ball, you're going to be in every one of those games if you can limit your opponent to 2-0 and 2. Yeah, I think I told you in my office they could have played 20 times and I don't think Monroe would have won a game. What would be, what would be really interesting is if the Golden Eagles were to be the 2 seed. Um, they would, if they won and the 3 seed won, the, the second round game would be a rematch between Southern Miss and Louisiana. So you would basically have this Friday game in the second round of the Sunbelt tournament because you would have Billy throwing against their number two. If if so it'd be I don't know if in, in recent history, and you guys out there listening can can let me know this, but if, if we have turned around that quickly and played somebody that well, immediate, yeah, I, you know, I in, can in a tell conference. you that a few years ago in um in uh Biloxi we closed the season with uh Texas San Antonio, and then opened the tournament. That's with right, them, and they beat us. That's right, and we won the tournament. Yeah, we won the tournament. All right, when we come back, I'm sure Luke's got some other sports to share with us. Hang on, Monday edition of the Eagle Hour continues. segment on this Monday brought to you by D-Bat and D-1 Training on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. D-Bat and D-1 Training. Great facilities, pro shop, it's all there. D-Bat on the left, D-1 Training on the right, dbathattiesburg.com, Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. 
Track and field um, wrapped up the official season at the Sunbelt Conference Championships over in Myrtle Beach. Great week uh, for the men and the ladies, especially in, in the individuals. Sophia John took second in the heptathlon. Ariana White finished third in the javelin. The women's 4 by 100 meter relay team finished third. Uh, two members of that, Trinity Benson and uh, Sevilla Varnell, finished first and third in the 100-meter run. On the men's side, Omar Austin finished third in the 400-meter run. Samila Colby won a silver on the women's side in the 800-meter run. And Javel Fullerton uh, had a personal best in the 400-meter hurdles. And then the 4 by 4 100-meter relay team broke the school record, the, the girls' school record, uh, by almost three seconds. We'll find out Wednesday who's qualified for the NCAA East prelim in Jacksonville, and we'll let you uh, know uh, about that. Southern Miss Golf, um, Cameron Clark, I think he's from Pittsburgh, Mississippi. He's competing as an individual in the NCAA regionals uh, over in Auburn, Alabama at the Auburn University Club. Starts today, three-day event. Cameron right now five shots back, tied for 23rd overall. You can follow him. Uh, of course, at southernmiss.com and, and uh, live stats. Over the weekend, it was a, a, a broom, kind of a broomy weekend for uh, across the Sunbelt baseball landscape. Troy sweeps Marshall uh, up in West Virginia. Uh, James Madison with the only series win. They defended their house and took care of the other Virginia resident, Old Dominion, taking two out of three from the Monarchs. Georgia State sweeps Georgia Southern uh, in Atlanta. Appalachian State hosted Archie State, and uh, App State swept. The big surprise uh, for us, uh, Lafayette sweeps Texas State. Of course, the Golden Eagles sweep Monroe on the road. And then they almost did it, guys. J.D. Byers and I were texting back and forth, and many times throughout the weekend there were bags full of Jags. But South Alabama, how do they, even when they try to help us, guys, they hurt us. You know? Can't count on them for anything. (laughs) But Bob, Bob, I had a question in the commercial break. If I if I wanted to hire a company like to clean up, like if I had a big property or or huh. like a church or you ask a hospital or something like that, would you have any recommendations for me? Well, they were actually in Mon- in Monroe yesterday afternoon. They had to sweep out the uh, Warhawk um, dugouts, and that would be Jana King, the king of clean. Uh, tell me about them. Well, they've been in the uh, Pine Belt for over 35 years, cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eateries, stadiums, and worship. And they can clean your business, too, Kelly. You can just go to JanaKingCleans.com. That is JanaKingCleans.com. And I thank you for reminding me of that. So noted. So noted. Hey, other news around the uh, the conference, the Sun Belt softball champions. No surprise. The number one ranked team in the league, Louisiana. Uh, won it. The Lady Cajuns will now go to the NCAA uh, softball tournament as the Sunbelt champions. Congratulations to them. Other sports around the area, even though it's not Southern Miss related, they do uh, have a great relationship with William Carey University. The first round of the NAIA postseason will be hosted beginning today at uh, at Milton Wheeler Field on the campus of William Carey. They will play tonight. Uh, William Carey will play in its first round. And the NJCAA Region 23 tournament being played in Eunice, Louisiana. 
Uh, Meridian and Pearl River playing right now. Pearl River leading that game 12-3 to in the very first game of that tournament. Other teams from the state of Mississippi in that tournament include Meridian, obviously. Uh, East Central Community College out of Decatur. Northeast out of Boonville is also uh, in that tournament. And I might Itawamba is also the One other more state note, representative. Um, from that, Jones College right now taking on Colin in the softball. Region 23 softball championship game. Middle of the fifth, uh, Bobcats just took a lead, and so Lady Bobcats leading Colin five to two. But both of those teams, both of those teams, as I understand it, will go on uh, to the next round. So, uh, yeah. So, congratulations to both Colin um, and Jones in softball. Bob, we should mention that throughout the years we've interviewed many Southern Miss athletes. And uh, Brian Dozier is a prime example. Um, sometimes Southern Miss athletes meet other Southern Miss athletes and they fall in love, right? We've, we've noticed that many times. Correct. Over the weekend, Swayze Bozeman, who will be returning to play linebacker, married his Southern Miss sweetheart, Macy Pennington, former all-conference USA soccer player. They got married Saturday. Congratulations to the Bozemans. Congratulations to both. This just uh, sent to me. Collegiate baseball's poll is out, and the Golden Eagles are ranked 14th this weekend in collegiate baseball. So they go from being unranked to 14th in that poll, based on uh, the weekend, I guess. Well, again, the way that the way they're playing, there's well, they are. They they have the longest winning streak in the country, do they not? At this point, in Division One, they, they do. do thirteen, yeah. Yeah. thirteen games. And, and Luke, what would be the only Mississippi Division One school ranked in the top twenty-five? I was going to say to the top on your queue in just a second, but yeah. I'll I'll do it officially now. The only thing, not even close, not even close. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. We hope you will too. And until then. Southern Myth. To, to the, the top. top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.